This semester, we're going through the book of 1 Peter and hearing about this uh, encouragement to stand firm in grace. And last week, Lauren gave an amazing gift of a sermon about 1 Peter chapter 1, hearing the way that we're called to, into his living hope through a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. This new birth into living hope, it's such a vivacious picture, a picture that has so much life to it. New birth, a baby turns into a toddler, it turns into a kindergartner, turns into a Whitworth student someday, and it grows and life comes. Living hope, hope that, that doesn't just check, doesn't just enter the door and sit there, but moves and grows and brings life, just like spring is starting to bring life out there for us. Yes, we'll clap for that, huh? <laughs> there is this living hope. And so the question that I have, I think Peter addresses for us today, is how do we keep moving into that living hope? And Peter, today in our passage, gives us an invitation to a journey, a new journey into this living hope. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 through 21. Sorry, you just sat down, I know. But would you stand if you'd like to, for the reading of God's Word? Therefore, preparing your minds for action, disciplining yourselves, set all your hope on the grace that Jesus Christ will bring you when He is revealed. Like obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires that you formerly had in ignorance. Instead, as He who called you is holy, Become holy in all you do. For it is written, You shall be holy, for I am holy. If you invoke as Father the one who judges all people impartially according to their deeds, live in reverent fear during your time of exile. You know that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your ancestors, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without defect, or blemish. He was destined before the foundation of the world, but was revealed at the end of the ages for your sake. Through him you have come to trust in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are set on God. You may be seated. This is God's word for us. Peter invites us on to a journey. When I graduated college, I got to go on a journey. I, I got to go on this trip with a good buddy. And we get to spend four months traveling. We graduated in December, so we kind of said, well, this weird time, let's, let's, let's go. And we went on a total shoestring budget and tried to go to places that was, would be harder to get to later in life. And one of the places we went to, the highlight really of the trip, was a visit to Nepal. And in Nepal, our goal was to hike to the base camp of the 10th highest mountain in the world, Annapurna 1. That sounds really impressive. It's not that impressive, it's not that technical, but it was still going to the base camp of the 10th highest mountain of the world, which is pretty amazing. And so we got, had our bags, actually I was carrying this exact bag, it was our bag, this all my, everything I had for my whole life for four months was in this bag, and we got, arrived in Nepal, we uh, spent a day or two in Kathmandu, and then took a bus about eight hours to Pokhara on this little tiny two-lane narrow road, which is their highway, in America, it would have taken about an hour. It took us eight hours. We got there, went to bed, and as we're going there, thinking, we're saying, okay, first question is, do we need a guide? 
for this journey? Do we need a guide? I mean, we're, we don't want to spend money. We're cheap. We're invincible. You know, we're 22. We're 23. Nothing can go wrong for us. So we don't really need a guide, right? And we kind of back and forth. And in that debate, do we need a guide for this journey? We ended up deciding, yes, we do need a guide. We're in the Himalayas. And, you know, it'd be good to support someone. And, but really, we needed a guide. This is where Peter starts. Peter starts preparing your minds for action, discipline yourselves, set your hope on the fully, set your hope fully on the grace that Jesus Christ will bring you when you're revealed. How do we live in this living hope? How do we step into this new place, this new living hope, this journey? Well, the first thing we need to do is recognize we need a guide. We need a guide for this journey. We can't do it without a guide. Someone to show the way. And the guide is Jesus. Jesus is our guide, and the, the guide, he brings us this abundant grace. That's where we set our hope, our eyes on this guide who brings us grace. What is this grace of Jesus? It says later on in verse 18 and 19, Jesus ransomed us from our futile ways, covered us with his precious blood like a lamb without defect. You know, it's, it's an echo of the Old Testament story of the Exodus, when God ransomed the people out of slavery and pulled them out to freedom, when the, they put the blood of the Passover lamb over the door so that death would pass over, and then the, the, the sacrificial system where they would sacrifice an unblemished lamb as a reminder of their forgiveness of sins. In other words, this guide who brings us abundant grace is saying, I'm going to rescue you. Rescue you from the old ways, the old journey of slavery to fear, slavery to death, slavery to corruption, slavery to self-interest and self-service, slavery to systems that perpetuate injustice and hurt others, including ourselves, and the, the things that, that keep us held down in the darkness. I'm going to rescue you, I'll take you to a new place, a new journey. I'm going to take this weight off your shoulders. This is the mercy of Jesus who died for us. And he invites us to this new journey. And so for us, we had our guide. We found a guide. His name was Purna. And Purna showed us where we could take our bags off. Carrying these heavy bags, watching them, make sure no one steals our stuff. Hey, you guys can put them here. They'll be safe there. And Purna invited us to a new step in the journey, a freeing step of our journey. The old story to new story continues in Peter. Peter says, you're not the center of the story anymore. This new story, this new journey is bigger than just you. You see in verse 20, Jesus, this one who gives us mercy, was destined before the foundation of the world, but was revealed at the end of the ages for our sake. This journey we're stepping onto, it's now not just, it's not just about me. See, the old journey was, I'm, I'm the story. It's all about me. Whatever I want, whatever I like, whatever I feel like, whatever makes me happy, that's the story. But this new journey is bigger than that. We get to step in this bigger journey. God has been doing something from the beginning of time, before time, God said, I'm going to rescue this people. 
I'm going to make my world right. And when sin came, that didn't derail God because he knew he could handle it. And in Christ, he has an end when everything's going to be made right. When a new heaven and a new earth come, this is the big story of God's redemptive plan. And Jesus, our guide, invites us onto this big journey. A big journey. Much bigger than just me. And much more compelling. And much more worthwhile. And it's not just about the big, the big journey, the big story of God's redemptive plan for the universe that we get to be a part of. But in that journey then, now, we're no longer alone. Isolation and aloneness has been, loneliness has been a big theme of the last year for many of us, right? It's hard. Just talking with our faculty members about the, the loneliness of Zoom. Zoom's so great, we're so thankful for it, but ugh, it's just not the same as being with a person and getting a handshake or a hug. I shook someone's hand yesterday and it felt like, what is it? Have I, what is it? How do you do that again? You know, like, don't get to shake hands anymore. We know isolation, but this new journey is not a journey of isolation. It's a journey of community. We taste it here at, at chapel. We taste it at church. I hope you're going to church, or we'll be soon, hopefully, when we get, you know, at least going on online. We taste it in our baptism that, that says we're part of the people of God. This new journey is one where we have fellow journeyers with us. And on that uh, on our journey, we found others who were going to go with us on the journey as well. And finally, in that not-aloneness we see, it says we're the children of God, the Father. We call on the Father. We have this gift of being the family of God now on the journey. This old journey we're leaving behind, stepping in this new journey of living hope, so far it's everything is things that God's done. We've done nothing so far. The abundant grace of Jesus who, who is destined to come and die for us and cover us and rescue us from slavery, take off our burdens of sin and death and evil and lead us forward in the people of God in this big, big story of God's redemptive work in the universe. God's done all of it. Everything. And in that everything, he's given himself in Christ everything. He's given it all. And so now we hear, what is it we do? What is it we do as we step in in this journey from old to new? In verse 14 to 16, Peter says this, Like obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires that you formerly had in ignorance. Instead, as he who called you is holy, become holy yourselves in all your conduct. For it is written, you shall be holy as I am holy. The old journey we are conquered by the evil, the old desires and the futile ways of life. What are the old desires and futile ways of life for you? What are they? What are the old desires and the futile ways of life that are part of the old journey? Maybe you're carrying them right now heavily. What are the old desires and futile ways of life in our broader world? The brokenness around us and amongst us that we can be a part of, sometimes not even knowing it. He says, that's the old way. But there's now a new way. Become holy. As our eyes are fixed on this grace of our guide, Jesus, become holy as I am holy. 
Holy is a word that means set apart, right? Set apart, other. And God is the most holy one because God is the most set apart. The one who sets the standard for righteousness and goodness and love and truth and all beauty. God is all those to the most set apartness there could be. This is God, the holy one. And yet God then says to us, be holy or become holy as I am holy. The call is that we, as God's image bearers, would actually become more like his holy set-apartness in goodness and truth and beauty and love and righteousness and justice. It's an echo from Leviticus 19. Leviticus, the third book in the Bible, one that a lot of people haven't spent much time in. It's understandable. But Leviticus 19 is worth reading. Today, your assignment is to read Leviticus 19. Not kidding, all right? Check it out. It's this incredible, incredible passage that calls us to holy living in the nooks and crannies and corners of our lives. Leviticus 19 calls us, because God is the Lord, the living God who's holy, calls us to live and care for our family, to honor Sabbath, to have religious loyalty to God alone, to deal with not just personal stuff, though, but also with social stuff. Economic, economic relationships, caring for the poor, workers' rights, compassion for the blind and the deaf, judicial integrity, not taking advantage of your neighbor. Jesus quotes from Leviticus 19, you shall love your neighbor as yourself in the great commandment. Sexual integrity, not colluding with idolatrous practices to lift up other gods. No racism towards outsiders. He says, actually, Love the refugee as you love yourselves because you were once refugees in the land of Egypt. No commercial exploitation. In other words, Leviticus 19, be holy as I am holy, calls us to give everything, everything in to God. No part of our lives is held back. The invitation is be all in. Go for it. Give it everything, just like God has done in Christ, in his abundant mercy. And so here we were in Pokhara, and our guide, Purnasa, helped us know what we needed to do. And so he said, okay, well, you need some stuff. You need a backpack. So we went to a store, believe it or not. We uh, rented, literally rented a, ja- a jacket. This is not the one, but I, we did rent a jacket. We, we bought some imitation North Face gloves and a hat um, that were, you know, going to be sufficient. We rented a backpack, and we started going. We started going. And we left our bags, trusted Purna. He's got, our stuff's going to be taken care of. Let's go. Let's go to the 10th highest mountain in the world. Let's go to Annapurna. And we went for it. And as we went... Peter reminds us that we knew where we were going. The destination's in mind. You see it in Peter in this passage. Through Jesus, our guide, you have come to trust in God who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Our destination is where our guide's leading us to trust and hope in God. That's the destination. And in that destination, we find living hope. A new heaven, a new earth is coming someday at the very end. But for now, we're heading 
to a place of trust and hope in the living God, and he gives us that living hope as we set our eyes on him. And that's where he went, to the base camp. Four days later, made it to the base camp. 14,000 feet, got to spend the day and night there. Mountains 26 to 28,000 feet around us. It was incredible. That's where we're headed. The place where we behold and see God as the people of God together. Banjo can come on up. Now, the call to us, the beginning of, beginning of this passage one more time. Prepare your minds for action. Disciplining yourselves. Setting all your hope on the grace. That word, prepare yourself for action, the English doesn't do it well. The Greek is girding up the loins of your mind. Yeah, it's hilarious. You can laugh. Girding up the loins of your mind. It's this weird mixed metaphor of like rolling up your robe, buckling your belt, and saying, okay, let's do this. But not just my mind, not just my body, all of me. All of me. That's the call. Will we be people who say, yes, Jesus, I'm all in. Every bit of me, girding up the loins of my mind, getting ready, let's do this. Jesus, I'm in. I'm going to follow you wherever you lead me. I'm going to give you everything, my body, my mind, my money, my future, my social relationships, how I think about the world and politics, my studies, my relationships, my every single piece of it, I'm all in. Because your mercy leads the way to living hope. You're going to take care of me as the people of God. We're going somewhere better than I could ever imagine. Let's go do that. Me, you, us, let's go all in and follow Jesus where he leads us. Amen.